How do we honour the histories we've inherited while also creating new stories? What role does community play in the often solitary practice of poetry? These two questions are at the heart of Sessions Jazz Money Crafted for Melbourne Writers Festival. She's one of two First Nations guest curators for the festival, the other being Chelsea Wadigo. And Jazz used the opportunity to invite a wide range of writers, including some who haven't published a solo manuscript. To explain why, Jazz spoke to Awe's Jerome Commissari. My name is Jazz Money. I'm a poet and an artist of Wiradjuri heritage. I used to be based in uh, Sydney, Gadigal country, but currently I am in Dublin, where my mum's side is from, in Ireland. Jazz, so at this year's Melbourne Writers' Festival, you're curating two events. The first one is Memory Work. Could you tell me a bit about Memory Work? It is a panel um, being chaired by the incredible Janine Lean, who, aside from being one of Australia's best poets and a Wiradjuri poet, um, is an incredible researcher and theorist. The panellists uh, with Janine are Evelyn Araluen and Michaela Saunders talking about what we inherit as First Nations people and how we write about that inheritance while kind of making our own futures from that. I've been really interested in the last bit about archival theory and wanted to kind of be thinking about that and give space for writers to talk about that. So Evelyn Araluen, obviously with her incredible collection dropped there, was really grappling with the inheritances that we face as First Nations writers, uh, in particular a literary inheritance, and how we sort of make sense through that but also with like a very First Nations, sassy, forward-focused approach. And so I think Evie's just, um, you know, a brilliant thinker in this space. And I know Michaela Saunders' work as, you know, a guru futurist and writing short story, and I recently read her essay in Against Disappearance, the new liminal publication, and it's so brilliant. It's the first essay that opens the collection and... I, the moment I read it, I was like, oh, I want Michaela to do this panel. Um, they'll, they'll be perfect. And so pairing them with someone like Janine, who's just such a great thinker and so good at drawing out really complex truths. Um, Janine was totally integral with how this sort of thinking around it came together. I initially sort of proposed something more archival focused and um, with Janine's very uh, brilliant and gentle sort of guidance, it became memory work. And on a quick uh, a quick side note, Janine Lane is my mum, but your next event, the song we sing, New Voices in First Nations Poetry, that's got a largely relatively young cast. What is, what is this session? I'm really excited for uh, this song we sing, which is, yeah, as you said, a collection of First Nations poets who are all relatively unpublished as poets. Like they've, they've been publishing but none of them have a book out or, um, you know, I, I just love all these poets and wanted to, <laughs> I was being selfish again, I wanted to make a space where I could hear them all speak um, because I love them all so much and I've heard them all speak or write um, or, you know, witness their writing in the past. And um, to me it was just a really great opportunity to, to put forward some folk at Melbourne Writers Festival who might not have been invited otherwise uh, just due to their own sort of like publishing <laughs> status, like I said, because Melbourne Writers Week, you know, it is 
typically for um, published writers and I just love this group of people and thought it would be really fun to kind of disrupt that in, in the most minor of ways and give them a platform for their brilliant work. I'll actually get on to why you kind of decided to do that and what implications you think that has for First Nations art and poetry and literature more broadly. But what's this event actually going to look like? Is it a reading? Are we going to hear poems from all of them? Are you? Will someone be, be directing questions? Yes. So um, actually going back to talking about Michaela Saunders, Michaela has generously agreed to be the host for the evening and then it will feature readings from um, Bundjalanga Manye poet Dakota Fryer, someone who I think is probably more known at, for as a critic, which is Declan Fry, but Declan is just an incredible poet. Maya Hodge, who is probably the bubby of the group. Um, she is young, but she is brilliant. Um, Brooke Scobie and um, singer-songwriter Alice Sai, someone who, yeah, also probably isn't known as a poet first and foremost, but... Um, I have witnessed Alice's writing in the past and it's wonderful. And so, yeah, all those folk are coming together under the gentle but, but caring hands of uh, Michaela Saunders. I think all these writers have a really strong, clear sense of voice and country in their work. The, the panel is called This Song We Sing and to me it was really about the sort of collectiveness that comes together from these not all young but definitely youthful sort of writers and um, how we sing together, you know, these new futures while also being aware of our legacies. It's, it, for me, it feels like a partner to the memory work session, even though um, <laughs> that might be a bit opaque to some people. To me, it's a very direct relationship. Um, and so what I'm hoping and imagining, I haven't told anyone the sort of stuff that they need to present they can present whatever they feel like works so I'm imagining it'd be very charged very full of passion and critique but also very joyous and very loving all these um poets have an incredible breadth of the way they write and I'm very very thrilled that they've said yes Jazz let's draw on what you alluded to before why did you think it was important to bring them into the fold I guess going against the convention of the Melbourne Writers Festival. I was thinking about how it's disappointing that I know so many incredible writers, like kind of countless incredible writers who maybe aren't published, maybe don't want to be, but are still um, so brilliant at performing and maybe don't get that sort of nod from the festivals yet because they haven't been there yet. You know, it's this kind of snake that eats itself in terms of being seen by these spaces sometimes. And I feel like having a little bit of an insight um, now, I, I kind of, the machinations of the machine are a little bit clearer to me and I feel like getting to kind of crack that door open and, and get people into that space so that they can see how it works is to me really important. And also what's so good about poetry is it's a community action and it's a place where we come together and gather despite it, you know, being a, a solitary pursuit, it's it's community that makes it possible. Hi, my name's Brooke. I'm a Bundjalung woman. I live on dark and young land and I grew up on Bidigal country in southwest Sydney. I'm a poet, a podcaster, a performance artist and a development manager at Awesome Black. I got started doing poetry like I think most poets with um, bad teenage poetry. <laughs> um, 
I never, I didn't read poetry. Nobody in my family read poetry or anything like that. It wasn't something that was cool. It's something you did with shame privately in your diary when you were 16 and sad about everything. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's going well because Jazz has just put you on the session at the Melbourne Writers Festival, This Song We Sing. How'd you feel when she contacted you and asked you to participate? I mean, it's a pretty big deal. Like Melbourne Writers Festival is like the thing, right? You know, like um, I... Jazz, jazz is really awesome. We did like a gig together once and I think this is the best part about being a black fella that is in sort of the writing space is that like so many of us always back each other. And so when there's an opportunity, she puts my name up frequently and it I, it just feels really good to be recognised by somebody that you know is so deadly. Like her work is so amazing and then she thinks, um, she thinks I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Well, one thing that Jazz said about this session is that none of the poets presenting at this session have a solo manuscript published, which is out of character for the Melbourne Writers' Festival. Do you think that's important? Oh, definitely. I think um, there's so much to be said for, like, quote-unquote, emerging writers or emerging poets. I think the term emerging is a little bit, you know, on the nose. But um, so much of the, like the amazing work that's coming out with poetry and, and, and the, the different takes on the world and all of that is coming from people that maybe um, haven't had the opportunity yet. And I think for me, like I've had a few things published like of um, individual poems, but um, if we're only working with people that are already at that point in their career, I feel like we're missing out on a whole um, like spectrum of perspectives and styles and and I think – us giving each other a leg up. I don't know. I feel like that's our cultural way of doing things is really backing each other. We talked about your angsty poetry before. No doubt you believe you've kind of evolved or moved forward or are writing something. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> what What are you going to present this year if we're not going to spoil any surprises? Oh, look, I love a good surprise. But a lot of my work is still sad. It's still angry. Um, and a lot of that is for country rather than for myself. And... I think if you're coming and seeing the show and you want to know what you're going to hear from me, you'll either hear me using country and the analogies or the um, uh, the metaphors of country to explain human experience or using human attributes and the human experience to help explain the needs, the wants and the desires of country. So I use like both ends of the spectrum. I'm like, I want people to understand how country thinks, feels, speaks by personifying her. And I also want people to know how those of us that are like me or have a similar experience to me feel those feelings in a very different way, like deep in your gut, you know, not just in this, here's some words about being sad. It's like, I want you to to really like deeply feel that. So I'm hoping I'll make people cry, to be honest with you. That's my <laughs> ultimate goal at all times. <laughs> <laughs> this might sound a bit obvious to you, Brooke, or a bit self-evident, but do you want to inspire people? Yeah, I think, um, I look, yeah, it might sound self-evident, but I think it's an important conversation to have, right? Um, when I was a kid, the reason I wanted to write in general, because I do other kinds of writing, is because my mum read all the time. And reading is an accessible way of getting into, I guess, the arts, right? When you are like a poor kid or working class kid of any description, reading is is there for you. There's libraries, there's, you know, like secondhand bookstores. And my mum, as long as I can remember, had like, you know, a paperback in her hand and would save her money to buy 
<clears throat> Stephen King's hard covers. <laughs> cough, cough. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, like that was the thing for me. So like I was inspired by her love of reading and my mum always wanted to write, but she's too shame for that. Um, you know, my mom's a poor white lady. She's like, I don't know. I could never. I dropped down year nine. I don't know how to do this. So for me, it's like I'm a regular person in my mind, right? Like I'm not a rich kid that has the support of my parents to be able to go into the arts. That's why I'm 35 and doing it now because <laughs> I've worked my whole life to get to this point. But I want people to know that you can actually do all of this. You can you can pump out a poem in 10 minutes. If in, you get inspired at 3 o'clock in the morning and you're doing a voice note on your iPhone like I do, um, <laughs> you know, those things can happen really quickly and it allows you to make art in a way that is accessible, I think, of to those of us that have to have other jobs, that have other obligations, that, are, you know, are parents or are studying and working, all of that. So, yeah, I'm like, you like my poems? You can do it too. Come on then. And it's all just a trick of language because language can be whatever you want it to be. That's why I love it. Like you, you could see with Jazz's work as well and, you know, one of my biggest like mentors and inspirations is Lorna Munro and, you know, she really taught me the power of poetry in the spoken form as well as the written form and it also allows you to put your, your own language in there like, when, you know, when it comes to language revitalization and trying to bring those, those words and that language back to your family. Like I think poetry really lends itself to be able to do that. Um, and bastardizing English words is so good. Like, you know, I will use the word use in a poem because that's how I speak. And I think that that like, um, you know, to just go back to us talking about it being accessible. That's what's so good about it. You don't have to write proper. Your grammar doesn't exist in poetry. Who cares? Break all the rules. Just make your own. Spell things wrong. And I'm wrong on purpose. I love that. Um, do whatever you want. I think that's the best bit. Yeah. It's fun and it's funny and, it, you know, we can be like, yeah, whatever, there's no rules, you can spell things wrong. But mm. it is can be quite a deliberate act. Yeah, yeah, that's why, that, like, I'm always saying to people, I'm like, yeah, English is the devil's language, um, make mistakes on purpose. Those rules are there for you to break because who, like, look at Shakespeare. That fella <laughs> is over there making up words and phrases that don't make any sense and we still use it now and he just did it for fun. So if old mate Shakespeare can do it, why couldn't we? <laughs> now, Brooke, as you said, you're not going to swell the surprise. So you're not going to read one that you're going to do at the Melbourne Writers' Festival. But do you have a piece that you'd like to read for us now just so that we can have a taste of your material? Yeah, definitely. Um, this piece is called Throat. Balloon, Creek, River, Milky Way. Swallow me whole so I can hear your heart of pulsing tides, of blood that streams beneath your skin, of guang that cries percussion along your spine, fills you to bursting, and of your misted morning voice that creeps away from your lips till every blade of grass is heavy with your tears, I will not rest. Swallow me whole, balun, Wash my body with stones among your river weed. I'll find your ache. I can hear your misery inside your deepest organs, sealed shut with scar tissue and concrete. I cannot rest. Swallow me whole, sister, cousin, grandmother river. I'll keep time for you. Whisper warnings when your spirit grows too weary for this land. 
when your curves wither too narrow that Guang no longer fills you up. We won't rest. Balun, please, before they come, to sip the blood from your mouth, to feast upon your dried and silent skin, to dance above the muddied tomb of you. Please, my love, swallow me whole so you can take me with you and we can rest. That was Brooke Scobie and Jazz Money speaking with Away's Jerome Commissari. You can catch Brooke performing a different poem in The Songs We Sing for Melbourne Writers' Festival. You'll find information about the event and plenty more on the festival website, mwf.com.au. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.